Everyone is familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. It's made its way into our popular culture. I mean, there's even like an RV club called the Good Sam Club that's named after the Good Samaritan. And basically, anybody who ever does a good deed, we call them a Good Samaritan. And what concerns me is how easy it might be because of popular and common usage for us to miss the real importance of the story of the Good Samaritan that we find in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 30. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 30, Jesus told this story saying, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. We hear this story, and we know that this story was asked in, or excuse me, this story was answered in response to the question, And who's my neighbor? But sometimes I think we might miss the fact that it was actually ultimately given in response to the question in verse 25. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And this is Jesus' story. Be a good Samaritan. And essentially what we learn from this, brethren, is only good Samaritans inherit eternal life. They said, what am I going to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said this. Be what this man was. So I'd like for us to examine this story. And we're going to stay here mostly. We're not going to go to many other passages. We're just going to take a look at the story of the Good Samaritan and what kind of man he was and what he did. Jesus, at the end of the story, said, Go and do the same. Go and do likewise. I think from that we learn that this is a story of action. It's not a story of attitude. It's a story of action. The action of love and what that's going to look like in our lives. So tonight I'd like for us to think about that for just a few minutes. What does it take to be a good Samaritan who inherits eternal life? Would you bow with me before we get started, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we are humbled in your presence. And we pray that you would help us to be good Samaritans. Help us to love others, to be willing to sacrifice and put ourselves at risk and make ourselves vulnerable. Father, we pray that you would help us to be compassionate and not prejudiced. Help us, Father, to lift you up and to praise you. And, of course, Father, we can't help but ask your blessing be on our sister Shay again, as we will do so often. Father, we ask that you be with all of us, that we'll have the courage to proclaim your gospel and to obey it. Through your Son we pray. Amen. The very first thing that I'd like us to recognize is that the Good Samaritan acted from compassion and not from prejudice. Being a good Bible student that I know you are, 
you're aware of the great prejudice that was between the Jews and the Samaritans. They hated each other. You'll remember that the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4 and verse 9 was even shocked that Jesus, a Jew, would even speak to her. That was how great the animosity was between these men. But when the Samaritan passed by this Jewish man on the side of the road, he didn't stop to ask him his race. He didn't stop to ask him his nationality. He didn't stop to ask him his religious background. He saw a person in need, and he had compassion. And he acted from mercy and from compassion. And that's exactly the way good Samaritans need to act. From compassion and not from prejudice. Racial prejudice has been a major problem in our country. Fortunately, that, that seems to be working itself out. But we've still got a long way to go. But we've got to make sure as we're, as we're taking the gospel, as we're dealing with love and mercy, that, that the issue of race doesn't come up. That's not the problem. It shouldn't be a problem for us. We've got to get rid of these prejudices. But, but race, despite in our society, it's kind of overarching dominance of the prejudice category. That's not the only reason folks are prejudiced. We might see someone who's dirtier and poorer than we are. They're not dressed as nicely as we are. They may live on the other side of the tracks. And how easily we might have prejudice against them and, and, and not really want to help them out. Or, or maybe, well, maybe they're not as smart as we are. Maybe they don't speak as clearly and as fluently as we are. Maybe they dangle their participles and split their infinitives and, and just seem to be somewhat ignorant. All kinds of reasons we might have prejudice against people. Heaven forbid they might sound like a Yankee. Prejudice that we might have against people. But good Samaritans don't act out of prejudice. Good Samaritans act out of compassion and love and concern no matter who it is. If we can remember the statement that Jesus said, if you had just understood the Scripture that said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, we could understand this principle. Because the reality is, if we cannot act with compassionate love and mercy toward others, then all the sacrifice and worship will accomplish nothing. Only good Samaritans inherit eternal life. And brethren, good Samaritans act from compassion and not from prejudice. The second thing as we consider the story is that the good Samaritan sacrificed of himself and his resources. He sacrificed of himself and his resources. He sacrificed of his time. You know, he wasn't just out on a walk. He wasn't just going around for exercise. Verse 33 said, as he journeyed, he was on a journey. Now, men, we all understand journeys have timetables, right? Even when the kids have to go to the bathroom, we are on a timetable. And we've got a bathroom break scheduled in 45 minutes, and we're not doing what that will throw us completely off, right? Uh, okay, journeys have timetables. But here he saw this man in need, and he sacrificed from his own timetable. He was willing to put his journey, his goals, his needs on hold in order to help this person on the side of the road who is in need. Now, we may say, oh, that, that's really not a huge deal. Who wouldn't do that? Well, the, the Levite didn't do it and the priest didn't do it. But the Samaritan was able to do it. He sacrificed of himself, of his time. But that wasn't all. He sacrificed of his resources. The bandaging, the oil, the wine, where do you think that came from? 
There wasn't a box on the side of the road that said break in case of robbery. That came out of his own luggage. That came from his own stores. It's very possible that the bandaging were the man's own clothes that he ripped up to take care of himself. I mean, how many of us carry bandages in our suitcase to help somebody in case they get beat up on the road? He sacrificed from his own resources. He sacrificed his own leisure. You know, the, the story goes on to point out that after he bound up his wounds in verse 34, poured, poured oil and wine on him, then he set him on his own animal. You see, the Samaritan hadn't been walking on this hot desert road. He'd been riding an animal. A little bit more comfortable, a little bit quicker, a little bit more leisurely. But now he sees this man in need. And instead of demanding that I have all my own leisure first, he laid this hurt man on his animal and he walked beside him. He sacrificed of his own leisure. And then, of course, he sacrificed from his own money. He gave two denarii. You know, that's two days' wages. He gave two days' wages to the innkeeper. And then he told the innkeeper, he said, look, you take care of him. And when I get back, if it costs more than two days' wages, I'll give you more money. The good Samaritan sacrificed of himself, and he sacrificed of his resources. We need to understand this. Only good Samaritans gain eternal life. And good Samaritans sacrifice of themselves. You know, we know what Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 13. Remember Jesus said, Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. And we can get together in our Bible classes and in our studies and say, Oh, yes, absolutely, I would lay down my life for them. But let's not fool ourselves. If we can't sacrifice of our time and our resources and our own leisure... When would we ever gain the confidence and the courage to lay down our life for them? Only good Samaritans inherit eternal life. And good Samaritans sacrifice of themselves and of their resources. Further, the good Samaritan was able to keep his own perspective, to keep his own needs in perspective. He was on a journey. He was going somewhere. He had business to take care of. The fact is, this robbery that took place, you know, one of the things that tells us about that society is that folks just didn't take these trips unless they needed to. You didn't go out on those roads and, and take these journeys, and especially go by yourself, unless there was some great need to accomplish because of this very reason. It might be you on the side of the road beat up and robbed. We don't know what his business was. The story never says. But I guarantee you that since he was on the trip, he thought it was important. And yet when he saw this man lying on the side of the road, beaten, dying, he was able to put his own needs in perspective. And he put his own goals, his own plans, his own needs and desires on hold in order to take care of this man. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 points out to us that love does not seek its own. That's exactly what the Samaritan refused to do. He didn't seek his own. He sought the needs of this man that he saw on the side of the road. Now, I have to tell you, I had a little bit of trouble with this point because at first, at first what I wanted to say, I, I had labeled this point, the good Samaritans put others' needs before his own. But I remembered something that happened to one of my friends in high school. He was at home alone cutting the grass. 
And I don't know exactly what happened, but, but guys, you know, especially the young kids who are starting to cut grass, let this be a lesson to you. Don't ever stick your hand under where the blade is unless the thing's turned off. Uh, I think there was like a stick or something sticking out, and he just reached down to grab it, and it yanked his hand under and cut his thumb off. He was at home alone. He had to drive himself to the hospital. Now, if he had been driving to the hospital, he put his thumb in a little cooler, and he's, he's sitting there with his thumb in a cooler in the seat next to him, his hand bandaged, and he's driving all the way to the emergency room to take care of this. And on the side of the road, he sees an old lady with a flat tire. Does love demand that he stop and change her tire before he gets to the hospital? I would suggest not. I would suggest, if anything, love demand that the old lady hop in and drive him to the hospital and she get back to her car later. Okay, so... It's not always the case that love says, I put everybody else's needs before my own. But what love does is keep everybody's needs in perspective. It's able to recognize that your needs are more important than mine when they are. And so when we talk about being a good Samaritan, this doesn't mean wasting everything that God has given us with unwise benevolence. This means taking a step back and looking at the big picture and keeping everything in perspective. I mean, please notice that even the Good Samaritan did not stay with the wounded man until he was fully healed. He got the man to a point where his need to journey was greater now than his need to stay with the wounded man. He was able to leave him with the innkeeper. And then he went on his way, but he was going to come back by and check on him. You see that? Now, this is probably the hardest part of this entire lesson. Because, brethren, I can't give you any rules or any lines or any, here's exactly when their need is greater than my need, or when my need is greater than their need, and exactly when that's going to take place. And all I can say to you is that's going to take maturity, it's going to take experience, it's probably going to take even mistakes for us to grab and, and grow to that kind of maturity. But we do need to understand this. The Good Samaritan is able to take a look and decide, you know what, their needs are greater than mine. And keep the needs of ourselves and others in perspective serving others as much as we can. Only good Samaritans inherit eternal life. And good Samaritans are able to keep everybody's needs in perspective. Number four, the good Samaritan made himself vulnerable and he took a risk. He actually did that in two situations in this. First of all, the mere fact that there's a man lying on the side of the road, beaten up, says, you know what, I probably shouldn't spend too much time lingering right here at this point on the road. Because there's obviously robbers around here. For all he knew, it was a trap. For all he knew, this man was just bait to get somebody to stop, and then robbers would jump out and get him. But in any event, even if it wasn't a trap, the fact that he was laying here said that there's people around here that beat folks up. And yet he stopped. And I just want you to think about this. What is it going to take? You know, he's not staying up on his animal kind of looking down and saying, hey, you all right down there? So that if somebody jumps out, he can kick it in the flank and take off real quick. He's got to get down off his animal. He's got to get down on his knees. His back is turned to anybody else that could be there. He's bandaging him up. You know, he's not... He doesn't have a gun in his hand in case somebody comes along or a sword because he's bandaging up and pouring wine and oil to treat the bruises and the wounds. He is making himself vulnerable to whatever might happen on that road. Then he got the man up on the animal and he took him to the inn. 
And he made himself vulnerable again. Do you know how he did that? He gave the innkeeper two denarii and said, listen, if it costs any more, I'll pay you that when I get back. He had no idea if that innkeeper was an honest man. He had no idea if the Jew whose life he was saving was an honest man. He could get back and say, oh, you just wouldn't believe it. I mean, I had to do this and I had to do that. And and so it actually cost another five denarii. He made himself vulnerable. He took a risk. This is, this is what happens when we lust. Sometimes we think about that with romantic love. We think about how vulnerable we make ourselves with, with uh, uh, someone we're thinking about trying to date or maybe even our wife or our husband. But it really happens in every relationship. The, the more you love somebody, the more vulnerable you make yourself. The more you put yourself out to demonstrate love, the more you sacrifice of yourself and of your resources in order to be a good Samaritan, the more vulnerable you make yourself, the more opportunities there are for people to trample all over you and take advantage of you. That's just the way it is. The brethren, only good Samaritans inherit eternal life. And good Samaritans make themselves vulnerable. They take risks with people. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes they do get taken advantage of. But remember this. Nobody has ever gone to hell for being taken advantage of. But we will if we refuse to be a good Samaritan. Only good Samaritans inherit eternal life. And the final thing we recognize from this story. The good Samaritan acted from compassion and not from prejudice. He sacrificed of himself and his resources. He kept his own needs in perspective. He made himself vulnerable and he took a risk. And I want you to understand that he did all of this when nobody else was looking. The fact that this robbery could take place on this road demonstrated there weren't a whole lot of people traveling on it. Levite and a Pharisee, uh, excuse me, a Levite and a priest go by. And then the Samaritan. And that's it. Nobody was watching him. He wasn't trying to impress anybody. He wasn't saying, oh, look at me, I'm a good Samaritan. He just saw a person in need. And he acted from compassion. And he sacrificed it himself. Put his own needs in perspective. And he made himself vulnerable. Nobody else would even know what he was doing. If we want to be a good Samaritan... We can be a good Samaritan on the crowded street. We can. But the real test of good Samaritan is how we act when nobody else is looking. How do we act when nobody but God will know? This is a good Samaritan. Here's the interesting thing. There in Luke chapter 10 and verse 37... Jesus ended, he said, he said okay, who, who proved to be the neighbor? And the guy said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do the same. Go and do the same. I want you to notice this. He didn't say go and think the same. He didn't say go and talk the same. He didn't say go and discuss with others about the same. He didn't say go and plan the same. He didn't say go and teach the same. What did he say? He said, go and do the same. Because that's the thing. 
Good Samaritans don't think, they don't talk, they don't plan, they don't teach. They do. And brethren, only good Samaritans inherit eternal life. How are we doing? Are we good Samaritans? Let's go and do the same.